the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 178, recorded Friday, January 16th, 2015. Legend, wait for it, Dairy. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio-visual news and information. My name is Tim Albright, and good Lord, do we have an awful lot of news and information for you. First, let us introduce you to, to the uh, fabulous panelists who are going to give you um, well, the reasons for caring about the news and information. First up is Mr. George C. Tucker from, I don't know if your name is here or not, uh, no, George George Tucker from World Stage, engineering coordinator, uh, and uh, the left side of my brain. How are you, sir? If I'm the left side of your brain, we're all in trouble. <laughs> we are all in trouble. George is also bitch, Molly. Uh, George is also uh, one part of the group going uh, with Inf- uh, AV Nation to ISE. So uh, he will probably be both sides of my brain that week. So. Uh, By the end of it, we'll have no brains left, trust me. Well, yes. For various and sundry reasons. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I understand they have really good coffee shops there. All right. Also with us is Chris Janes, Christopher Janes, uh, founder and CTO, Chief Technology Officer of Mersive. How are you, sir? Good. Good, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Uh, are you guys going to ISE? Will Mercer oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, we're, we're there in a couple different forms. We're inside the uh, Delta Electronics booth with Vivitech. Oh, very They're cool. They're launching that big display wall with multi-projectors, so... You know, we'll be behind the scenes there helping support that. Excellent. And then I'll walk the floor, I'm sure, you know. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to, we'll have to hook up. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll have, I'll have my people talk to your people and we'll get you on. We're at least going to do uh, uh, at least an AV nation there. I know uh, George yeah. is thinking about some yeah. other shows as well. So okay. Uh, last but not least, uh, be nice to her gentlemen. Hope Roth. This is only her second time on. Uh, <laughs> Hope is from One Vision. How are you, ma'am? I'm great. Great. Uh, if you're not watching the show, and she has her her uh, her Twitter handle underneath it, it's one of the more interesting ones I've seen. <laughs> at beer and pie, I've never yeah. had beer and pie together, but I'm sure it's fabulous. Because it depends on. Uh, the it's uh, you know, it's everybody's in their top ten. You put them together, it's just that much better. Does it depend on the beer and pie that you choose? I mean, can I have a nice, you know, a nice IPA with a lemon meringue, or does it, you know? You can nerd it up and do a pairing, but um, right. it's it's actually the name of uh, my album that I oh. put out a few years ago, and mm-hmm. there's a song on there called Beer and Pie. Very um, cool. And every year around the holidays, I get tagged at least twice on social media as somebody enjoying a beer and a pie, so it is, nice. it is still a thing. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is, uh, we're going to kick this off with, with uh, as breaking news as we get, right? I mean, the... The AV industry is not known for uh, for breaking news. Uh, this is not uh, what 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 we have on normal, normal basis. Uh, but our old buddy uh, Ted Green uh, is is one of the people that we go to when news does break. Uh, South Korean government, quote unquote, from uh, Strategy.com. South Korean government orders LG to uh, halt OLED production line. Launches investigation. Dun dun dun. So apparently. Um, there's some gases that are used in the production of OLED, specifically nitrogen gas. Uh, also, apparently, it's a bad thing when they leak, George. So, um, question, you know, seriously, uh, it was a, it was an issue. There was a, a nitrogen gas leak. Um, is this a huge deal uh, for 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 LG? Is this you know? How big of a deal is it for them to have to shut down, you know, production for a day or two or a week while they investigate what the heck happened? I think production-wise, it's going to be a problem. But I mean, you know, because like, OLEDs are selling like hotcakes. Everybody's demanding them. You know, that and the 3D uh, motors, right? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually, from a from a distribution standpoint, it's probably a minor blip until we know more. 
Uh, it's not Bhopal, for goodness sakes. Or Bhopal? I can't remember how you say that. Uh, it, this, this didn't cover a large swath of land and annihilate people. Uh, it's <laughs> Something happened. We'll see what it is. It's probably a blip in the radar. But it is a lesson for all of us to remember that a lot of the stuff we deal with isn't so nice. Uh, especially in the fact that sometimes we damage things. The old adage I remember as a kid was, if, it, if the tube ever breaks near your TV, don't go near it, don't inhale yeah. it. Phosphorus yeah. could kill you. This stuff is the same. Maybe in smaller amounts, but it's not pleasant at all. And we have to remember about disposal. Uh, I know that uh, in the back of the past when Midori would talk about being green AV, this is one of the things that nobody wants to pay attention to. We make a lot of waste, and we make a lot of things that aren't so nice to the environment. So making them last is probably the best thing we can do. This is why you need to start a software company like Mr. Jane's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have any nitrogen gas leaks here at Mercer. So. Exactly. You know, uh, Chris, uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, how big of a deal is this for, for LG or just OLED, you know, OLED production in general? Yeah, when I saw that news, I thought about it a little bit. I mean, they, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but I think last year, maybe it was the year before, they sold about 30 million units. So if you do the math, 57, 52 weeks in a year, TVs that they can ship that in that period if they're really truly linearly shipping. So I don't know. Does that does that get made up the very next week? I don't understand their manufacturing process completely enough to know it. But you know, the good news is they they tend to manufacture fairly flat um, unless you get a spike year like last year when the World Cup was happening. They actually had to ramp manufacturing just to sort of meet demand of the World Cup. Because everybody's, of course, saying, now I need an OLED TV because there's a real killer reason to get one. So that's not happening right now, at least. Early Christmas would have been bad, too, I think. But this time of year, not such a big deal, probably. Okay. All right. Uh, Hope, from your, your standpoint, uh, how big of a deal is this? Uh, maybe not just, just for LG, but for you know OLED in general. George, you did mention the fact that a lot of things that we, that we touch and, and work with on a daily basis doesn't make such nice uh, side products. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder that there is a cost to the products that we produce and the stuff that we use, um, and it's a good reminder that there are people in other countries building this stuff for us for the most part, and um, that we want to make sure that uh, the supply chain is, you know, green, safe, that we're not, you know, I, I don't want to put a, a giant TV on my wall at the expense of somebody else who's having to build it and being exposed to toxic chemicals and unsafe working conditions. Um, in terms of the long-term impact, I, th I think it really depends on, you know, was this a freak accident? Did somebody, you know, was it operator error? Um, or is it, a, is it a more sort of indicative of, of larger issues? Um, and that could affect the, the supply chain more long-term. If it turns out that, you know, these companies were not building great plants, if the safety was not good to begin with, then they may need to shut down for a while, um, as they should, to to be able to ramp up supply in a way that's going to uh, keep folks safe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the one thing about South Korea is they're, they're pretty stringent when it comes to um, uh, safety and health. I mean, they're they're on par and sometimes you know ex, you know excessive, but but more stringent than the U.S.'s uh, OSHA um, uh, guidelines. Um, it's not like you know they're they're making it in the back forty somewhere. They they actually have guidelines and, and try to keep their their uh, their their citizens safe. So, uh, for my buddies over at SCN, the fourth annual name that fourth annual. Hall of Fame. Uh, that means that we've we've tackled this at least three times, George. Um, hope there was a couple of, of consultants and, and inventors, uh, Lord Ivy from from Atlas Sound, George Feldstein from Crestron uh, was on here, Jan Sandry from FSR, uh, a number of, of of really great you know uh, AV inventors, um, Spinatar, the the founder of Spinatar, Jeff Irvin was on here. The one thing I, I found interesting about this about this article was the fact that that they kind of split it up into manufacturing and and um, so the people that make the AV products and the people that install the AV products. Is there any other um, categories maybe that that SCN could do for next year's uh, list of of, um, uh, of for their Hall of Fame that maybe you know I don't know 
um, programmers or, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, software, you know, something like that. Is there another know. category or two that they Podcasters. could hit? Podcasters, yes, that would be fabulous. Uh, well, I'm, uh, you know, are, are you bucking for a nomination? I am not bucking, but George Tucker uh, should be, you know. <laughs> the man is a legend. He is. Um, In my own mind. Yeah. Well, you know, as a as a fellow programmer, I'm I'm all about the programmers. Um, I, I, th I think you could probably make a category for innovators. You know, there's somewhere somewhere in between the, the folks that are hanging the stuff on the wall and the folks that are figuring out, you know, what to build or the, or the people that are taking that, you know, that stuff and, and doing cool things with it. So, you know, consultant, programmer. Okay. Uh, speaking of innovators, uh, that was a very nice segue. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Jaynes. Uh, I would put you in that category, not just because you're on this program, because but the immersive stuff is very, very impressive. Uh, it is AV from a software side. I mean, you guys do some really interesting things. But from your standpoint, are there, you know, is Innovator one of those categories that maybe they could add to this? Yeah, I think uh, I think that would be good. I think, you know, I was just, just sitting here thinking about it. The, the, the category I'd probably add is more around the customer side because what mm. ends up happening, especially with us, is we end up getting in conversations with really innovative end users. And those guys are driving, those men and women are driving sort of the adoption of a new category of products or maybe really unique designs. Those, of course, get fulfilled by integrators and design consultants. But, you know, at the beginning, there's usually a spark, you know, whether it's within Coca-Cola or whatever, there's some guy or some woman named, you know, collaboration engineer or conference room innovations or something and they're doing something spectacular. So it would be cool for our industry to acknowledge that, I think, reach out to those end customers and nominate those folks too. So that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, George Stucker, you'll be the first one nominated for, for podcasting for AV. Um, uh, He's got my vote. You got your vote and uh, you and um, uh, Bennett Lyles from, uh, from uh, another magazine, he does a very nice podcast. Our buddy Tom Andre from, from uh, AV Shout. Uh, AV Rant. Av Rant, who's Av? Oh, oh yeah. George uh, Neto's Av Shop. Good lord, it's been a long week. Uh, <laughs> but from your standpoint, where else should we look? Um, you know, there's some there's some very nice folks and some very fine folks who have come down the pipe uh, through the years that uh, that probably deserve this. You know, I, everybody's made some great points. I I would think along the lines of what Hope said about those who install it. There are certain companies and organizations which have existed for some time and. Some who only lasted 10 or 15 years, but they really changed the way we did things. Um, I can rattle off a whole lot of names here, but I don't want to do that at this juncture. But you see my point is that there's been mom and pops to the big multi-corporation guys who do this business. Some of them really were at the head of advancements, and we're pushing some of the guys that are on this Hall of Fame list. They were pushing them to make the products that were needed. Uh, that would be a nice one to see, definitely. Yeah, one of the there, there's a story um, that I've heard from more than one person about Mr. Feldstein and um, getting an idea uh, while at a trade show, going back to his hotel room and mocking it up and and putting it uh, putting it out there. So yeah, he's he's definitely one. Uh, all right, uh, from Commercial Integrator Magazine and our and our buddy uh, Tom LeBlanc. Uh, this is an interesting article, and it, it, it is for me personally because my, my job at Innovat, I, I design consultant and programmer like Hope. Um, but my market that I service primarily is 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 corporate AV and some education. Uh, the, the headline is "Good News for the Corporate Integration Market," and this is a, a quote here: "Large corporate clients are spending money on technology, often investing in large boardrooms, entire buildings, and campuses." Uh, hope from from you guys' standpoint uh, is that are you seeing that? Um, and uh, if so, you know, are, is it like first quarter or do you think it's going to be more second or third quarter? Um, yeah, it's, it seems like it's really picked up in the last year or so. Um, I think companies cut back on some of the bigger AV projects when they are not doing as well. So I think it's a great sign for the economy and it's great for our industry that you're seeing more big projects, more stuff in the pipeline. I do definitely see a segmentation of the market um, where you see the smaller huddle rooms and then you see the bigger, you know, town hall multi-purpose rooms. Um, I've seen actually large corporations doing the huddle rooms as well at the, at the same time. Yeah. 
I think some of the huddle room is, is being driven by open office floor plans and people just need a quiet space to go and record a podcast. Um, and we've definitely seen that people just go in and camp out in those spaces because <laughs> they need some quiet. Um, so I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of those. So, so what you're saying is we need scheduling software for the huddle spaces so people get out when they're Yes. When their time maybe, is up. <laughs> maybe 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 a little timer on the AVA system that'll start blaring some music at you. It's time to go home. Some some it's Justin. Time to go home. Some Justin. Would you believe Bieber. an ejection seat? <laughs> well, there you go. I won't go so far as to say, um, you know, a little shock, but. <laughs> you know what? Both of those are contact closures, and those are easy to do. So either one. <laughs> I could just I can do some crazy things with relays. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mr. Tucker, uh, you just recorded a, a program for Infocom uh, on live, sta live staging and events. Easy for me to say. Easy for you to say. Thank mm. you. Uh, <laughs> beat you to it. Uh, but in talking Quite with those much. folks, uh, you were talking about the, the 2015 economy, and they were even saying that mm -hmm. they're getting booked two, three, four months in advance uh, yeah. from staging and, and world stage. That is That is what they do. Uh, are you guys seeing that and are, are, are an increase over 2014 or maybe even 2013? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 2014 was actually pretty gangbusters for us, which was nice. Uh, we're also seeing different type of jobs come in now. Our, our old standbys were here for us, our theater, our upfronts. We're now seeing a lot more corporate work. We're seeing a lot more guys coming in wanting to do big broadcast installation, which we do. Uh, we don't deal so much in the education or the you know com commercial huddle market. But we hear about it, and we all signs are it's just going up, 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 and up, and everyone's booking way ahead. I think part of it is, is like Hope said, everyone needs a team space. The open platform or open space is nice, but you need that point where the team is meeting to have a quiet space. That's technology. The downside I see to it is that they're spending more. Well, they're, they're doing more, but they're spending less at each one, which could be both a good and bad thing. Right? Ford was the one who said uh, against his, all his competitors and associates, that he would do a cheaper car, just more of them, and they thought that was insane. That's happening sort of with this right now, and I don't know if we've readied the model to accept it. Maybe some have, but I'm not sure yet. It's an open question. Okay, no, it's, it, it is an interesting question, and back to Hope's point about the, the increase of huddle spaces, absolutely. I mean, I, I've personally seen them as well because they are less expensive, right, than putting in a giant VTC room with, you know, sound... Uh, uh, soundproofing on the walls and making sure that the table is such and such and you have shades and this, that, and the other. You put in a, a you know, some sort of soft codec, right? Um, and, uh, you know, you do that, you're fine. I, well, they're I, also I, wanting to... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I, I will say that when you put a huddle space up against a fully integrated conference room, the huddle space often does not fare well in comparison, and I've definitely seen that with clients where you know they had a full VTC room and then they wanted they wanted more bang for their buck, so to say, where they put in a lot of huddle spaces, um, and then you know their their end users knew the difference, and and everybody wanted the full conference rooms, and there was a lot of complaining about the smaller rooms because. You know, when you do a fully integrated room, it's just a better experience, I think. So I yeah. think some of that is in managing expectations. I think a huddle space is great for a small to medium-sized company that, you know, can't afford to put a Cisco or a Polycom in every single conference room. Um, but I think once you get to the point where you're a large-sized company, um, you've got to sort of, you've got to sell the huddle space the right way or people are just going to see them as sort of a lesser experience. George, go ahead. I, yeah, I was about to bring up something similar that, that Hope, Hope was saying, is that a lot of it is BYOD-based, or at least in yeah. the person you're giving it to's head. They want to be able to bring in their own tablet, or why is it this technology? I can just use, like, my kid, and why can't I even just connect my Kindle to do this? Uh, so there is that danger of lowest common denominator in these huddle spaces, and I'm not sure where the profit margin in and that is so as hope said you have to manage it very very carefully or you're really just sort of doing a net loss or net nothing <laughs> install yeah. for the chance for something more i guess yeah uh chris this is something that that immersive does uh when it comes about huddle spaces because you guys connect several devices yeah uh where, where are you guys seeing a lot of this yeah it's funny you know i think hope's comment is spot on the the idea that small companies have always sort of been aware of we want to be more agile we don't maybe have the budget so we've got to 
you know, create a space that folks can just walk up to and maybe interact really quickly. That's partly price-driven, but it's also driven by just behaviors in meeting spaces that have slowly been changing. And, you know, if you, I just had a meeting yesterday with a really large corporate customer who said, you know, we have 50 to 100 um, sort of fully integrated high-end BTC rooms, but we've got 700 other spaces that we've identified that we want to claim as AV, but we don't want to, you know, go full integration. And they range from things like traditional huddle spaces, I'll call them, where you've got stocked on chairs and maybe a walk-up type table, things like that, um, all the way down to public screens that used to be used for digital signage right outside of our cafeteria space. So those they want to claim as collaborative spaces. Because if I'm walking down a hallway with you and we have an idea, why wouldn't we be able to have a quick conversation and then take hold of that display and start to use it? So I think it's kind of a continuum. It's all the way from the fully integrated VTC that's important, all the way down to every little sort of corner nook and cranny that you might have in a big company. So, you know, from a profit perspective and what, what the dangers are there, I don't, I don't think you have to be too worried because um, the large customers will always need the big spaces. But what they're saying now is on top of that, we have whole buildings that used to be ignored from an AV perspective that they just don't want to be any longer. So I, I see it as sort of icing on the cake and additive in a sense. Yeah. I was going to ask, uh, Chris, do you find that you have to retool your, your, your team to accommodate those huddle spaces over the bigger one? And are you having separate teams or how are you managing that kind of resource division? Oh, interesting. So are you asking from here? From, from well, in general, since you do it. So, you know, yeah. I'm curious. Well, because we don't get into the integration side, our integrators and resellers oh. definitely have to think about the differences for sure. Um, from our perspective, the software is uniform. Hmm. So, and that's actually a real key. And that's a trend we're seeing now, whether you're like a Fortune 5 that has really expensive high-end uh, collaborative rooms, all the way down to small and medium businesses. The user interface to how do I have a meeting? How do I get it started? How do I kick it off? Has to be seamless as you wander through the space. So if I go from a meeting that's a you know a boardroom meeting all the way down to that display outside the cafeteria, that's uniform. So that's good news. We don't have to reinvent product for that. Um, but yeah, integrator behavior certainly have to change. And I'm going to turn that phone off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if that or you know the traffic in in Secaucus, New Jersey, was just getting out of hand. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. No, I'm near the trains, not the traffic. Oh, the trains. Yeah, trains. Tra yes. It's all horns. I have a train yard right outside me here, so. You know what? In the I wanted to point one thing out, though, Tim, really quick. Yeah. I'm at the, the growth number in this space. So it's 13% is what I've heard quoted, I think, even in that article, is the year-over-year -year growth that is expected for the next couple of years. Yeah. I've seen another report that talks about 16 to 18% growth in just the IP segment of that. So the uh, in internet infrastructure, IP video, et cetera, that's, a, that's a even more acceleration growth over the next little while. So if you're an integrator and you're worried about where you want to be placing your bets, that's definitely a place to be looking at. Yeah, it goes back to something that, that folks on this show and, and others and uh, have talked about for a couple of years. If you're not, if you're in AV and you're not at least looking at IT, you know, God help yeah. you. Uh, you've got to be, you've got to be doing it. Um, interesting conversation on, on, on Twitter this week, and this is from, uh, from EH Daily. It was one of the things that came out of, of CES last week. And uh, I have long written about OLED. Some folks love, still love plasmas. Some still folks still love their CRTs. Along comes this thing called nanocrystals. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> first of all, it's it, nanocrystals is one of the I first when I first saw this. Right, I hearken back to two years ago CES. Sony kind of diverged for a second. Uh, on the OLED, and they had um, their crystal TV, right? Uh, and then they forgot about it, honestly, at CES, and they went, went back to OLED for a few months. But it's not. It's a different technology altogether. Uh, and our, our buddy, Leonard Susskind, uh, and I were, were chatting back and forth about it, and he was asking me, you know, what, why I don't, because he's, he's all loving uh, the, the crystal thing, uh, the nanocrystals. And I haven't seen it in person, so let me, let me say that. I have seen... Uh, OLEDs and AMOLEDs uh, in person, they're gorgeous, they're wonderful technologies, they just haven't gotten, uh, at least the AMOLEDs, the, the big enough screens yet. Um, Chris, there, there's a lot of talk about 4K this year, um, and, and now they're they're throwing this 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 new uh, uh, 
honestly, it's, it's a new light source technology. It's a new way to get, get the light to your eyeballs. Mm -hmm. So it, with all these things happening, uh, I, I guess the, f the first question is, uh, is, you know, is nanocrystals, are nanocrystals, I'm not quite sure how to say that yet, uh, are, are they the, the latest, greatest technology? And do you think that maybe they'll, they'll get this up and running uh, maybe faster than they did uh, LED or, or, or OLED? Yeah, yeah. First, I have to caveat because I'm a science nerd and I love just the whole idea of the crystals because they're based on quantum dot technology, which is super cool if you want to read about how all that stuff works. It's amazing. But fundamentally, what they allow you to do is control the sort of the, the band pass of what light is emitted based okay. on frequency. So they're really, really accurate at reproducing really good colors. And in fact, you can tune them to produce colors across a huge spectrum. So that's really cool for color reproduction and quality, and I think it'll rival plasma. Yeah, and on the manufacturing side, it's been interesting because the demo I've seen with the quantum dots stuff was years ago, and it was you know in a secret lab, and it didn't look that great. And there were still a bunch of questions about how it would even become the light source. Yeah. So it looks like what they've done is said, look, the, the fundamental light source is LED. We are going to produce an additive pane in front of that that allows you to tune the colors and look a lot better and increase brightness without a whole lot of energy drain. In fact, they're really efficient because a lot of the you know old LED technology, you would you would emit across a pretty wide spectrum and then you're ending up, ending up having to filter that energy. So you basically just burned a lot of cost and energy for no reason. So all the light is focused in a really good clean way. So I'm, I don't know, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. Um, you know, the idea that it can excite tiny micro, you know, what are they, like six nanometer sized crystals yeah. in a glass that sits on front of an LED panel and make that all line up and work, pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, Chris, I was reading about this earlier, about the technology of quantum dots. Can yeah. you remind, I mean, we just talked back about the LG with the, um, I forget which gas was released. Nitrogen. I think the quantum dots are supposed to be safer. I know that's a relative term. Do they have like a less of a noxious gas, right? Oh, yeah, because you're not trapping the gas between panes like that. They're a direct emitter. So right. if you excite it with a current, all you have to do is get a current to the to the crystals, and then they will emit at a particular frequency, and it's based on what the shutoff current is and things like that, that, what frequency you get out. It's pretty amazing. So you aren't doing things like having these like plasma panels that are trapping fluids that nobody wants to touch. And Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. That's cool, George. So, George, what you're saying is that these nanocrystals are the greenest displays on Earth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't quote me on that, but it seems like we're getting there. It seems like we're, I'm, I'm not. I'm, yeah, it, it, yeah I, I did say it kind of flippantly, but that is what we're saying. I mean, it, it does go back to that first article, right? If, if that is truly how these things work, then yeah, I, do, I still want to see one in person before I say, yeah. you know, yeah, it's the latest greatest. Mm. But, yeah, uh, Georgie, from, from your standpoint, is this, is this going to be, you know, the, the one that, that overtakes maybe OLED before it? OLED gets off the ground completely? From the sounds of it, I'm thinking that's very probable. Uh, but it depends on how well they can produce the quantum dots in these strings and sheets to get them to be manufactured. I haven't seen much out there yet, and they weren't showing a heck of a lot. So we'll see how that technology rolls out. Uh, as Chris sort of touched on, the process is quite intensive, although simple in technology. It may just take about another couple of years for them to be able to mass produce it in a way that We'll say, oh, yes, I'm, that's my quantum dot monitor. I'll just buy it off of Best Buy. I don't know how close we are yet. I think we're getting there. Yeah, we've said that about OLED as well. So. <laughs> well we it's have, there. It's there. That's yeah. true. <laughs> well, and that, that was the you know, same question to you, Hope. Do you think that this, you know, uh, the production, you know, assuming certain things, right? Assuming that they can get the production uh, ramped up and assuming that it can be, you know, somewhat, you know, not somewhat, they can, assuming it can be profitable for companies like Sharp and, and Sanyo and, and uh, not Sanyo, good Lord, Samsung and, and LG, uh, do you think that this has the, has the capability of, of overtaking and, and being the, the dominant display? I, I uh, you know, I haven't seen them in person, so I think some of it is going to depend on how the, the picture looks versus the price point, and then some of it is just market forces and things you don't understand. You know, they could be the Betamax to VHS, you know, where there's an argument made that, you know, <laughs> the best product doesn't always win. Um, but um, I actually have an inside track on one of these companies 
because my husband does their IT support. Oh, so wow. I, <laughs> I'm trying to get in there and, and get them to, sh to show me some stuff because it is pretty exciting technology. Maybe so what? you say you have some inside information on IPOs? <laughs> it's no, not no, what no, she no, said. No, no. There's three of us no, here, so no, no, no one else will know. No, no. You know what? The, the FCC gives us enough problems. We don't need the Securities and Exchange Commissions coming down with us, George. No, I'm, I'm saying I have an inside track of hopefully I'm, I'm trying to set something up to go in and, and do an interview yeah. and, and talk to some of these the folks that are making this stuff in person. Oh, on the IPOA. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> you can see Dots in the Kindle Fire now, right? Didn't they release the HDX that has a Quantum Dot based display? I know it's not, you know, big format and video based, but it, I think they're using that now in the Kindle Fire. On, on, the, hmm. new, on the newer ones, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth taking a look at one. Kind of yeah, cool. Absolutely. Good old Jeff hmm. Bez Bezos. Give you know, give give him a couple of, of neat toys to play with, and he'll he'll be all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's see. Here we have a couple just really just kind of three or four different stories here that uh, that I'm going through. You know, let's let's keep on 4K here real quick. Um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, not that. Forget that. Forget that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not that one either. Yes. Um, let's talk yeah. about Neil Young. Good old, good old Neil <laughs> Young. Um, Hope, have you seen Apono a Apono um, in in the wild yet? Has anyone seen Apono in the wild yet? Um, if you're not uh, familiar, um, Neil Young had a Kickstarter uh, for his new media player, uh, and I believe it's called Apono. Uh, it's not not kidding here, and let's see if I can figure out how to do the the screen screen sharing because typically in the last few weeks I've I've really jacked this up. Um, you guys tell me if you can see it or not. Can you see it? No, I see black. You see black. Okay. Because <laughs> you I have see two, two screens. I, I see a mouse. That's right. I see a mouse. Lovely. All right. Well, never mind then. Uh, it's it's an interesting. It almost looks like a, a like an iPod Nano, honestly. Mm. Uh, but it's 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 a music player, right? It's a, it's one to rival um, the iPod. Uh, so hope is is this? Um, I, I, what do you think about the new uh, the new Pono player from from Mr. Young? Um, you know anything that gets us to start listening to better quality music, well, quality sounding music, uh, is something I'm all for. I don't. You know, I think a lot of people are sort of married to their you know, their iPhones at this point. But I think the, the most interesting thing about it is that he's really trying to take his technology and sort of give it to folks or, or license it, I should say, and yeah. get it um, get it out there. And I think that that's actually more exciting is, um, is that hopefully maybe we'll see some other people upgrading what they're using because, I you know, I am a musician and uh, it is a little sad that we're all listening to highly compressed stuff on earbuds. Um, you know, when you really sit down and listen to, you know, good music with a good sound system and a good high quality, you know, um, media, it's it's so much better. Yeah. Uh, Chris, from your standpoint, uh, you know, you, you've invented some things in, this, uh, in, in the past. Uh, this is Mr. Young. You know, this is Neil Young's. You know, uh, baby. Um, yeah. What What do you think of the of the new Pono player? I think it's. I mean, it's cool. It's laudable. I mean, I when I saw it, I started to wonder. When I saw that Kickstarter first come out, I sort of wondered: Does the is part of the down, demise of the distribution and music industry partly due to this sort of belief that you can just listen to low quality? low bit rate video and audio and, and assume that that's good enough and everybody will pay for what they used to be paying and then suddenly we find out, no, they're not paying. Um, maybe there's another market to be had here, you know, based on the Pono player and a different distribution model. Hmm. I think probably to be successful, they probably have to get inside of some of the other bigger ecosystems. So he has to be able to license that to, to Apple or somebody that would actually build a device that ties back into their own distribution. And maybe there's a high-end distribution piece that people are willing to pay for, you know? I know I walk a long way in the cold just to get to the record shop and buy, buy vinyl, so <laughs> I would probably pay to have better stuff inside of my mobile player as well. Yeah. Well, and maybe he, he says, you know, that, you know, go around Apple altogether and, and hooks up with, with Amazon. You know, we talked about the, yeah. the Kindle. Um, you know, Amazon has quite a substantial music library that you can purchase from, so that when you not that I want to give Neil Young any, any advice on business. He's, he's doing fine on his own. 
Uh, George, uh, according to the article, quote unquote, Pono Player is the start, Young said. If you want to license the name, Pono will certify you, whether you're creating a phone or any other device. Uh, I, I saved you for last because you were my favorite audiophile. Um, you famously told me that you really like weighted knobs and just the experience of listening. And So first question is, is what do you think of, of the whole idea of the Pono player? Hmm, I'm so divided here. From a purely aesthetics point of view, I like it. I like the idea. I like that he's pushing for better sounding quality. The problem, of course, is that it's not the person, one, the person that should be talking to the audience that he wants to. Let's get the young people, everybody else, listening to quality music. Most of these people don't even know who he is, let alone who Paul McCartney is. Well, that's very nice. I was going to, yeah. Right, the Kanye West tweet about Paul McCartney and people saying, you know, Paul McCartney's going to blow up now. Who's this guy, right? I mean, <laughs> bigger than Kanye. Yeah, bigger than Kanye. Who knows? Um, but, but here's my point. Is it, the, the player itself is too expensive. Yes, uh, Neil Young has said that it's part of an ecosystem. It's going to expand. It's just a slow start. The problem with slow burn revolutions is they get steamrolled. Mm -hmm. HD Tracks has been around forever. FLAC has been around forever, right? And as much as I want to say that quality over quantity will win, it really is convenience or death. So is it a market? Yes. For someone like me, if I had 400 bucks to spend on a player, which I don't, <laughs> I would do it. But look at the cost of the albums as well. Led Zeppelin, uh, I'm just looking at it here now, on their Pono store. Uh, which one is it? I can't remember which one it is, but it's $30. House of the Holies, $30. Now, that's great. And for a listening experience, that's fantastic. But somewhere along the line, we're, we're at two different extremes. So is he doing, using this as a lost leader for education and reclaiming land? I don't know. And that would be wonderfully poetic. <laughs> but I'm really sort of doubtful that this will go anywhere beyond being absorbed by Sonos or Apple and turned into something completely different. Ah, I didn't even think about that part. But here's the thing, though. If, if it is absorbed by Sonos or Apple, do they just chuck the technology? I mean, the, that's the whole idea here, right? I mean, the, the whole idea is not the compression that, that you know, that Hope, Hope alluded to. You know, it, it's not the, you know, the 8-bit compression. It's, it's listening to music as it was intended um, from the artist, right? It, so it, does, does he run the risk if it is? You know, I, and we, we're here speculating that he's going to sell to some huge corporation. I said Amazon, you said Sonos and Apple. I mean, um, but does he not run the risk of, 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 you know, I guess selling out to the very thing he's creating something against? Mm -hmm. It's very plausible. I mean, he's trying to build a community. Yeah. You see that. I mean, even on the Pono site, there's the Pono community, and there's all this other stuff. Again, I want it to be true. I want it to be real. <laughs> I mean, there's a record store in Hip Serbia right next door to me in Hastings on the Hudson, and it's always full. But it's a tiny little store. And the unfortunate part is we're at a sort of crossroad where it's not really going to go back to the mass market. So who are you selling to? And that's great, but if it's to our clientele, that's limited, but they're still also going to have the other stuff they want to play on it, which is not going to be as high quality. Again, I'm going to mix. I really would love to be able to sit in my room and listen to this and go, that's beautiful, and get immersed. I just don't think it's going to last. So is this maybe more of a, a boutique item then? You know, it's, it, yeah, it very is, much so. It is the leather-bound, gold-plated you know, um, you know, version of Dante's Inferno. Rather than yes. you know the paper With the original Latin on the left side and exactly the yes. on the right side yes uh, yeah you know it's I think it, it's akin to um why can't I think of it now the artists uh, drawing pads that they really love so much uh, the oil skin whatever the hell they call it oh yeah moleskin well, moleskin Mol yeah you know those are beautiful but for every day they're not but they're an item that you choose because you want to feel something that's great but they're not selling to the mass market it's sold in an art store you're not getting it at stables. I actually use a moleskin for my daily my 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 daily journal and my daily uh, uh, to do list. So because I because I, I, I I'm not a hipster. Good <laughs> lord, I can't I couldn't grow a goatee to save my life to begin with, <laughs> let alone a full on you know Grizzly Adams beard. Or skinny jeans. Or sk uh, you do not want to see me in skinny jeans. No, <laughs> I'm just not even going to go there. From Mashable. 
Uh, <laughs> Intel, see what I did there? Intel's CompuStick is 150 bucks. Are you kidding me? A $150 PC the size of a Chromecast. Um, okay. So, uh, Joy, I guess George will start. No, no, Chris, we'll start with you because this is, this is more like, holy cow, you know, Uber technology yeah. here. Um, where are they going with this? I mean, it, it, it's really cool, right? I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out over this. It's, it's, you know, it's a USB-sized computer, for crying out loud, right? Where yeah. I, I'm not old enough to remember this, but, you know, 50 years ago, uh, you look at the Turing machine, which a lot of people consider, you know, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, the Turing machine was the size of a barn, right? Uh, my dad worked in a data center in the 80s where they had big, giant magnetic tapes to hold, you know, to hold things on. Uh, and then you get into the, the desktops and this and the other, and then, of course, the, the first laptops, uh, and then the, um, you know, the, the ultrabooks, you know, the ultralight ones, and now we have one the size of, a, of basically a USB stick. Uh, so, Chris, where are they going with this? Yeah, it's actually, it's funny, when I saw that announcement at CES, it was a little bit like, when, why did it take so long for me? Because oh. if you look at HDMI sticks and Android and that ecosystem and, you know, systems on a chip, where they've been under pressure now for, I don't know, since the rise of the cell phone to get great video, great graphics, great compute architectures on tiny, tiny, low-powered processors. And Intel has been able to sort of stay out of that game for a long time. Um, you know, with the success of things like the Chromecast dongle from Google, I feel like they needed to get into the play a little bit. Mm. It's funny because we've actually, you know, the, I've, I've already talked to some folks at Intel who are going to try to get me a couple of those things. Because we, of course, say, well, let's run Solstice on it and see what yeah. happens. Um, we had a higher ed customer that had taken already the Windows to go USB stick, which is basically a boot drive that you can launch Windows through an HDMI. They can stick it in a bunch of signage displays, and we're already doing Solstice that way. So I feel like it's a great, you know, it's a good thing for us. It's another socket. But if you go look at uh, sort of what's driving those kind of form factors and, and processors, it's video decode and it's computer graphics. So good GPUs. Uh, Tegra 4, for example, you can buy in a tiny little box that's probably, I don't know, this size. And that, that unit outperforms many workstations that I have here in my office. I mean, I can grab that guy and run Android on it. And what happens is you've got a lot of these kids at game at home, and they don't want to go out and buy an Xbox 360 because, well, hey, I'm just using it for Candy Crush on my spare time or whatever it might be. You get pressure now. So as soon as you have consumer pressure on technology, it, it evolves really fast. So I think, you know, Intel's now and again. You know, to be honest, though, it is a, it's like Bay Trail, I think, is the graphics architecture on, on the Windows thing. So it's not... It's not like you could download, you know, a 3D game and go to town on it. It's, it's just not going to have that kind of processing power. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think for business users, that's a huge game changer. Well, I was going to ask you: Is this something? And not not that I'm I'm asking you if you're, you know, if you tell me it's a top secret, just tell me to shut up and I'll move on. But is okay. this something that you guys could take right and start yeah. OEMing your own immersive sticks and selling them to your integrators? And it, not worrying about their IT staff, you guys have the IT staff. You put them on the on the on these sticks, and then you sell them for you know five six hundred bucks. Yeah. So without without uh, getting in trouble with my marketing team, yes, I will say the vision of Solstice all along was that the world's display infrastructure, not high end corporate display infrastructure, but the world's displays should be shared in a communications landscape. So if I go to a K through 12 classroom, or I go to the local sports bar, or wherever I'm at, why can't I use those displays to share media, to communicate in a more seamless way, et cetera, right? So you can imagine if that's the vision that we started the whole, this whole game on, and we're growing the company on, we are not gonna be putting on high-end hardware to, to pull that off. Okay. You know, watch us in the next four months or something, and you'll see something <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Four, <laughs> four months or three weeks, because ISE's in three weeks, brother. Oh yeah. Well, I won't be announcing anything at ISC. All right. All right. Uh, Mr. T Mr. Tucker, where are they where are they going with this? Well, I think it's all about getting small, obviously. But they also put out something for a couple of years called the Nook, which was a sort of graduated step towards this. It was a tiny yeah. little box about the size of a Roku. It was a full-on computer. Um, my envision with this is seeing something like Control. Do we really need any longer the big processing boxes? 
Yes, we do, but not for long. This is the kind of box that would do it. And if you read the specs, it'll also take Linux or Linux, however you want to say it. Linux. Um, and that gives you such broad opportunities. And it's a wonderful thing that I can now run all my home from this tiny little computer, and it can plug into anything. It also harkens back, the first thing I thought was Web TV. If anyone remembers Web TV, where yes. you could have the internet connection web browser, basically, on your TV. It didn't do well because of resolutions, and it, it was a little chunky, but this is, this, from what I've seen and heard reported, is really, really fast and really, really cool. So I could see it being hacked for all number of things. Connect this to a um, to an Xbox, um, the little sensor thing they have on the on the, the connect. front. Mm-hmm. The connect, thank you. I mean, you've got you've got something really amazing there. They are really going to say we can't make just chips anymore. We've got to be able to make our own markets, and they've been doing it stealthily for about ten years now. And the last five have been really really obvious, and I'm I'm really looking forward to what's coming out from them soon. Is it just me, or does this seem like? Um, uh, uh, almost like an Android Pie-ish type, a little bit slicker version, a little bit more packaged version of Android Pie, and obviously a little bit more powerful version of, of that kind of idea. Or am I not thinking of the right thing, George? I think you're along the right lines, definitely. Okay. Uh, you know, I see Chris not nodding <laughs> in the little window, and like, yeah, right, Chris? I mean... Yeah, it's really similar. SOCs in general have evolved to the point that they're basically computers. So all you need is good I.O., place to plug a keyboard and get some HD you know, video out of it and you're good to go. Raspberry Pi, I was laughing because George was talking about how you could run it on your house. I have a Raspberry Pi at home and I've already built all kinds of, you know, mind-numbing insane projects to do things like turn on and off lights and control my house. So it's, yeah. it's a fun yeah. platform. Yeah. This yeah. one actually Pi, works even better. Pi and Arduino. Arduino is yeah. a little bit, yeah. little bit more powerful, a little more clunky, but still. Yeah. 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 All right. You're a Pi guy, I'm an Arduino guy. I'm, Hope likes pie. She likes beer and pie. pie. There you go. Beer and pie are complete. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, Hope, let's wrap this around to to AV. When it comes to installations, and you and I are programmers, and um, can you see the day when we're putting these in, you know, displays, and that's, you know, to George's point, that's what we're controlling things with. That's what we're programming, not necessarily uh, brand X, Y, or Z's proprietary software. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the first thing I, I thought about when I saw this was all the all the stuff that you can do with it in an AV setting. I mean, it's um, it, it looks like it could be great for digital signage. It could be good with some software like Mersive, and you could share share content on it. Um, you could probably stick an X panel on it and and run your whole conference room from it. You know, using a touch overlay kind of a situation. Like, I mean, there's some really cool things that you can do with something like this. I think it is actually, George. I was I was going to talk about the Intel Nook, so uh, so you beat me to it. But I think it's the logical extension of what we've seen over the last few years, which is that sort of standalone computers. You know, not not a laptop or a tablet, or have gotten smaller. Um, and they're trying to make them cheaper. You know, the problem you have with a Nook or like a Mac Mini is that you have to start buying so many other pieces to go along with it. By the time you buy your keyboard and your monitor, you know, you're up to the cost of an iMac. But this thing is cool because you can plug it right into a TV. So you're, you're putting it into an ecosystem that you've already purchased most of the pieces for it. So you just need like a Bluetooth keyboard and a mouse and you're all set. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool things that we actually at uh, One Vision are talking about. You know, we wish these were coming out sooner because we have an application that this would be great for, and we're going to have to use like a mini. Yeah, yeah, those little micro, um, I call them micro PCs, but you guys are right. They're you know, those size of, of Roku's. That has been the, um, the the use case for those for a long time, and and these uh, things from Intel obviously are going to take that. So, uh, alrighty, uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, Christopher Jane's founder and CTO of Mersive. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was good. Where can people find you and or Mersive? Uh, they can go to my blog on the Mersive website. Just go to Mersive.com. You can follow me at The Visualist uh, on Twitter, um, or you can email me, cjanes at Mersive. Easy to find. Very good. Very good. Uh, Hope Roth from uh, One Technology. Uh, thank uh, one you. Vision. One Vision. Good Lord. One Technology. <laughs> one Vision. Thank you. Um, thank you for joining us, ma'am. Thank you. Where can people find you and uh, and uh, one, t- one Vision? I am on the Twitters at Beer and Pie. Um, I'm also very Googleable. I have a very uh, unique name, Hope Roth. 
and, um, and you can find me on One Vision. Right, very good. Last but not least, Mitch George Tucker from World Stage. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. And you can find me uh, at Commercial Integrator. Uh, several others I can't think of at the moment because it's a little tiring of a week. But I'm at, at Tucker Twos or Tucker Twos on probably any social media platform. So find me there. Chat me up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't follow me, but go by the website if you would. <laughs> if you want to follow me, it's it's at TD Albright. I usually yammer about my kids or sports. So um, <laughs> some technology, but but mostly sports. Um, uh, but go by the website if you would please. Avnation.tv avnation.tv there's a whole host of, of really great folks that, that help us out with that um, last night we're recording this on on the 16th of, of January last night uh, Melissa Dillman Veronica um, uh, Veronica and uh, I almost said Belmont and Victoria uh, Victoria why was why that Victoria Ferrari Victoria and Ferrari. Um, and uh, Kirsten Nelson did the uh, the AV crosstalk um, so that was that was a good uh, a very good show. Uh, tons of people uh, doing all sorts of writing. Josh Frago, Chris Netto, um, Veronica as well. So check that out if you would please. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Uh, as we also mentioned, we are going to ISE and we are uh, going to have a tweet up. Uh, we've been doing this for the last few shows that we've been going to. And uh, the fine folks at the HD Base T Alliance uh, are helping us out. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, or also check out Chris Netto's uh, tweet he just sent out, uh, we have an Eventbrite uh, sign up. So if you're going to ISE and would like some uh, some free food and drink at 5 o'clock Amsterdam time on Wednesday, February 11th, uh, check that out. Just let us know how many folks are coming. That way we know how much beer and pie to bring. So, uh, yeah, so check that out if you would, please. Uh, but yeah, and, and thank you again for all the folks that, that, that helped us get to ISC. We'll be uh, putting some stuff up uh, here actually in the next couple of, uh, couple of days to let you know exactly what we have going on. So, uh, But it all starts at the website, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.